Welcome to Operation Flourish, a podcast designed to help you flourish in all aspects of life. Whether you're a Miss America contestant, an athlete, or someone with a growth mindset striving to unlock your full potential, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Kayla Myers, Miss Northeast. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Operation Flourish podcast with me, Kayla Myers. I don't know about you, but I have been incredibly affected by it getting darker earlier and earlier and earlier. And I mean like 5, 6 p.m. I get off internship and it's dark. I drive to internship and it's dark. And sure, don't get me wrong. Winter can be full of fun things like ice skating, snowmen, holidays, or my personal favorite, hot chocolate. But it can also be a really difficult and depressing time of the year for many. I'm an intern counselor at a counseling private practice, for those of you who don't know, and I'm going into my final year of graduate school for clinical mental health counseling. So I see clients in the community. And every week, I mean every week, everyone, I meet with clients who tell me how down and depressed they're feeling with the short winter days. And some people are incredibly confused because they don't normally feel this way. But now they feel like they no longer are in control or like they're just lazy. And then they're being hard on themselves, which makes them feel worse. And they get trapped in this negative spiral of anxiety, depression, and the bad weather. But I'm here to tell you, you're not just lazy. It's not your fault. It may be seasonal affective disorder, or what we like to call SAD. S-A-D. What a fitting name, by the way. I've always thought that that is the most fitting thing. Because truly, seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, makes you feel kind of sad when the weather or patterns change. So let's dive into talking about SAD. What is it? SAD is much more than feeling a little down, hating the cold, or being impacted by seasonal stressors, like maybe the family conflict, the holiday stress, etc. All of those things. Instead, sad or that seasonal depression, it's a form of what we call major depressive disorder, which is that standard depression we oftentimes think of. However, the distinction is that major depressive disorder is typically any time of the year. But sad, that is going to occur during a specific season or a time frame that's pretty consistent. And to be diagnosed with SAD, it also has to have occurred for at least two consecutive years. So let's say I've had SAD for eight years of my life, but I had it when I was, you know, 12 years old. I had it when I was 15 years old, again, when I was 18, and then maybe 20 and so on. You see that there's not really a consistent pattern. Well, in those cases, coming from a scientist lens, maybe there were specific factors that caused those winters or whatever time frame to be a little bit more challenging. So ultimately, it does have to be two consecutive years, which could be I got it when I was 17 and 18. Maybe I missed a year after that. Got it again at 20, 21, 22, and then I didn't get it for a year and continued to get it for the next four years. 
there's much more of a pattern, and it seems that not having it is more of the abnormal deviation. So that's how we're going about it. But when we're thinking about seasonal affective disorder, what are the symptoms? That's the question I get asked the most. How do I know if I truly have it? What should I be looking for? There's a lot of overlap with depression. But typically, the number one thing overall that we're looking for is, does it interfere with the quality of your life? And here are some ways how it might with these symptoms. Maybe you have this constant, persistent feeling of sadness, anxiety, or an empty mood. And that should be occurring most of the day, nearly every day, for at least a period of two weeks to determine if we're falling under those depression symptoms. So it should be a lot of time when we're talking about major interference. Maybe you're also looking out for feelings of hopelessness or pessimism, irritability, frustration, restlessness, constantly moving around. There could also be feelings of guilt or worthlessness, feeling like you don't matter at all anymore. A common one is a loss of interest or pleasure in hobbies and activities, maybe even isolation because of that. Fatigue is one I hear all the time. And this is personally one of my most common symptoms of sad, is just feeling like I have no energy, I feel slowed down, difficulty concentrating, making decisions. Other symptoms can be it affects your sleep in different ways, which we'll talk about soon. might affect your appetite. You might have unplanned weight changes, gaining or losing weight. It can manifest in your body physically to where you have pain or aches. You might get headaches and cramps in your body. And what people don't often realize is that our GI or stomach digestive issues can also be connected to our mental health. And we often see that here. There can also be social problems like avoiding social contact altogether. Maybe there's sexual problems, which could be decreased libido and a decreased interest in physical contact with other people, which we know contact with other people gives us oxytocin release, which makes us also feel good. So we're losing out on that. There can also be carbohydrate cravings, and that is a big one for me that I experience. Another one that can be often occurring is thoughts of death or suicide or attempts of suicide. And in those cases, that's why it's really important we talk about this because seasonal depression can be very isolating. And we want to make sure we're doing everything we can to prevent people from feeling isolated from others and feeling as if suicide is the only option to escape. Now, we won't focus too heavily on suicide in this episode, but I do encourage you to check out the episode I have on suicide called The S Word fantastic episode. So with that, let's head back to what we were talking about when it comes to SAD. I gave you some symptoms, but it's important to know there's actually a few more symptoms. And I mentioned sleep earlier, but sleep can manifest differently depending on the type of SAD you have. So yes, there is more than one type. It still has a lot of the same common principles, but it has to do with the timing of SAD. This episode is releasing very timely in the about winter season. We know it's getting cold. We had the time change. It's getting darker earlier, and that's affecting a lot of people. So we quickly think about what we call the winter pattern sad. But 
There's also a summer pattern sad, believe it or not. Many people associate summer with happiness, but some people in summer can also be highly, highly affected by seasonal affective disorder. Think maybe someone who works the night shift in summer and they're sleeping during the day. They miss out on the sunlight. Therefore, they have seasonal affective disorder because what we'll talk about soon is not having sunlight is one of the biggest reasons why people struggle with seasonal affective disorder. So someone not being exposed to the sun during the day could easily cause that. Maybe it's someone in mountainous areas or areas that do not get as much sunlight. All things that can cause it or someone who might be inside all day. All things that could result in seasonal affective disorder. So when we break down winter versus summer pattern individuals with SAD, when we're looking at winter pattern people, which may be the majority, they typically also have symptoms of oversleeping. This is what we call hyperinsomnia. Hyper means essentially like a lot. We're getting a lot of sleep to a point where maybe it gets in the way of us doing other things. Maybe we feel like we have all these things to do, but we just lay in bed all day because we just can't get up. We feel dysregulated and out of control. Like All we need to do is sleep. It can be overeating, and that's typically the carbohydrates that I mentioned. And it can lead to weight gain, the social withdrawal, those are key indicators of winter pattern sad. Now, summer pattern, this is less common, but it does happen. And for these individuals, typically it's actually trouble sleeping, so it's more insomnia. It can also be poor appetite, and that can also lead to weight loss, so the opposite end of the spectrum. They might experience increased anxiety, restlessness and agitation, being very irritable, and it could even display violent or aggressive behavior. And that's a small distinction we see between the winter and summer pattern. I want you to take a moment to ask yourself, have I experienced any or a majority of these symptoms? I personally have experienced many of these symptoms and do year after year after year. I'm very aware of that. The weather, the lack of sun, it very much so affects my mood and results in me feeling incredibly depressed. And that's something that I strive to be open about. A lot of people see Kayla and think that she's Wonder Woman and always happy all the time, that cheerleader group fitness coach. But in reality, that's not always the case. And I think it's important that we normalize. It can be very easy for us to fall in bouts of depression for any reason, seasonal affective disorder being one. So let's talk about how we can identify if maybe you're struggling with that and what we can do to help you better manage your seasonal affective disorder so maybe some days you can still feel like Wonder Woman. So who can get sad? We got to figure out who can get it to figure out if maybe you have sad. We know that about 5% of the U.S. population experiences SAD. That's a good chunk. It's millions of Americans. But we also know that it's not equal across the United States. In most cases, the further you are from the equator, the higher the risk you have for seasonal depression. There was an example I really loved that talked about the risk of developing SAD. And for someone who lives in New Hampshire... Their lifetime risk for developing SAD 
is 9.7%. But someone living in Florida, their risk is only 1.4%. But you do notice it happens in Florida despite all the sunlight, despite the warm weather. It can still happen. But we do know in states where it tends to be colder, gets dark quickly, it's going to typically impact people more. So that's something we can look for. Are you close to the equator or a bit further from the equator? Now, another factor to consider is biological sex. And I know gender could come into play here, but unfortunately, the research is still lacking in general when it comes to biological sex, let alone gender. So there's a lot of room for improvement. But ultimately, we do know that unfortunately for women listening, women are twice, two times more likely to develop sad than men. Now, it's important to note men can still get it, but women get it much more frequently. Why is that? We do know hormones are most likely the culprit to this, but there is a little bit more research needed for why women are more responsive and reactive negatively to the changes that we'll discuss of how SAD happens. Something else that can increase your chances of having SAD is that you have a different disorder like depression, bipolar disorder, Other mental disorders like ADHD, which is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Maybe you have an eating disorder, an anxiety disorder, or a panic disorder. All of these things commonly occur with SAD. So unfortunately, it's one of those double whammy moments. You might experience both, and we know bipolar disorder has the highest overlap with SAD. Now you know the symptoms the risk factors, and I imagine you may be wondering, maybe I do have SAD. So now what? Let's figure out why SAD happens so we can figure out how to treat it using evidence and, of course, science. We know that a lack of sunlight is one of the number one reasons for SAD. And this is especially the case in winter pattern SAD. In winter... Less hours of sunlight during the day reduces the amount of time we can be in the sun. And we also know through science that being in the sun produces this neurotransmitter in our bodies called serotonin. And I like to just frame serotonin as this happiness neurotransmitter. It makes us feel good. So we get less of that when we're not in the sun. And then to compound on that further... Many people know that being in the sun promotes vitamin D production. So you get more vitamin D, which is great for our bodies. And vitamin D promotes serotonin. But if we have less access to the sun, because the sun is only out minimal hours of the day in winter or those cold seasons, it reduces our vitamin D, resulting in deficiencies, and it reduces our serotonin that happiness neurotransmitter. Now, the reduced sunlight during the day, that duration that's reduced, that also messes with our internal clock, something that's more scientifically called our circadian rhythm. When the daylight shortens with winter, our body's circadian rhythm or that internal clock, it gets really messy and desynchronized. And this can be so 
negatively impactful on metabolism, our physical health, and our mental health, which we see through seasonal affective disorder, or SAD. We also know that even furthermore, kind of the cherry on top of it all to really compound on it, is that we have an area in our brain called the hypothalamus. You don't need to know that in too much detail, but if you love the science, there it is. But this area of our brain, it releases melatonin, which many of us have probably seen that supplement, melatonin, and have the association that we know it helps with sleep. Now, our body naturally produces melatonin, and our body does this when it gets dark, which is why they recommend dimming your lights before bed, all of those things to help you get better sleep. Now, as our body sees the dark, it produces more melatonin. So it makes us feel sleepy. It lowers our mood a little bit. It makes us feel tired, winded down, and ready for bed. But what happens when it gets dark at 5, 6 p.m.? That means during winter, this period of time where it's dark is extended. So our melatonin release, that aspect that makes us sleepy, It's increased during the long and dark hours of winter, which makes people feel down and tired. And again, no sunlight there, so it reduces the serotonin too and the vitamin D. All of those compounded on each other, it's no wonder you're feeling down. Now you might be sitting here thinking, well, Kayla, those are all biological things. Does that mean I'm kind of screwed? No, it doesn't. It can be really frustrating when it feels like it's out of our control. But I'm here to deliver you some good news because I am a very strengths-based, positive psychology type therapist who's incredibly optimistic. And we know that the way we think about SAD can be incredibly helpful. There's also some technology aspects that we can do to help with SAD. So let's dive in. SAD is similar to that major depressive disorder, that general depressive. A lot of the symptoms overlap. And we know that we can use some of the similar types of treatments to help. So for instance, think about counseling. As a counselor in training, I highly recommend you give it a try, whether it be virtual or in person. But we know especially counseling and using a strategy that we call cognitive behavioral therapy, which is essentially acknowledging how our thoughts and feelings and behaviors all interact, but we can modify them. And essentially, when we use CBT SAD, is what we call it, we can challenge and change our unhelpful thoughts and behaviors to improve them and replace them with more helpful thoughts. So for instance, maybe the thought that comes up for you is, ugh, winter's coming. I hate winter. It always makes me miserable. Why bother trying anyways? I'm just going to lay in bed very realistic thought that I've probably honestly had before as winter approaches because I know I don't like it. But I'm anticipating and I'm worrying, causing me anxiety, and it's really not a helpful thought. So if I can, one, be aware of the helpful thought, and then two, attempt to replace it. Maybe it can be something that's more neutral, such as winter might be challenging, but I've gotten through all of the challenging winters before and I know I can do it again. It's more fact-based. I have gotten through every challenging winter. A little bit more neutral feeling. 
Now, if you feel confident in switching it with a positive interpretation or reframe, we could say, you know, winter might be challenging, but I love ice skating. I love building snowmen. I love the fun things I get to do. And it allows me to cozy up inside and watch movies. I know I can do this. I can get through it. A little bit more positive. So you do have to know yourself. Do you respond better to turning the negative, unhelpful thoughts to a neutral thought or to a positive thought? But either can be really helpful when we're looking at CBT. And that's the concept of reframing or challenging and changing our thoughts. Now, another CBT strategy here, in case maybe you can't get to counseling, although I highly recommend, this one here is going to be called behavioral activation. Now, what behavioral activation does is it helps people identify and actually schedule things that are enjoyable and that engage people in either indoor or outdoor activities. And that can help really counter that loss of interest people typically experience when they have depression or seasonal affective disorder in winter or summer when we're looking at SAD. Now, we know when we schedule things in our calendar, we're more likely to get them done as opposed to saying, "Mm, I'll do it later or I'll do it when I feel like it. Maybe it's scheduling an exercise. Maybe it's scheduling five minutes of meditation or stretching. Maybe it's scheduling time to read a chapter of your favorite book, time to see friends, maybe taking a walk after lunch. So many small things that we can schedule and identify places in our schedule and lifestyles to implement these behaviors. That is the concept of behavioral activation. The challenge with depression is it makes us not want to do things, but oftentimes if we can get ourselves to do something, it can break the cycle and help with the depressive feelings. And that is certainly the case with SAD as well. So that's where CBT and counseling in general, seeking out a counselor who is unbiased and can help you with trained and evidence-based strategies could be helpful. Now, in addition to counseling, antidepressant medication can also be a helpful form of treatment. But we always do want to acknowledge that Not everyone wants to go on medication. It's important to look at the side effects and to talk to a doctor or a psychiatrist before you would go on a medication. But if you were to explore medication, typically selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, I know that's a mouthful, which is why we call it SSRIs. You may commonly hear them referred to as. These typically help in better regulating our serotonin which is what we know earlier on we mentioned helps us feel happy. It's that happiness neurotransmitter. But I do warn you, we can't try the medication right away and say, ugh, this isn't working, we're done taking it. We do know for a fact that these SSRIs, that antidepressant medication, takes about four to eight weeks to actually kick in. So you do have to take it consistently and trust the process to see if medication does work for you if you decide to go down that route. But maybe you decide counseling and medication, it's just not for you right now. That's okay. Maybe you want something through technology. A really cool technology-based intervention that I actually have access to is called light therapy. Now, we know that seasonal affective disorder can be due to not getting enough sunlight. Well, if you have a 9-to-5 job like me, 
There's not much you can do about that, especially when the blinds must be closed for confidentiality. So how can you get sunlight if when you get off work, it's already dark? Something that there has been technology created to do is a sad, bright light. And essentially, mine looks like a little rectangular box that props up. And what this light does is it's a very bright light and you sit right in front of the box. And typically, this light box gives off about 10,000 lux of light intensity. And if we contrast that to typical indoor lighting, indoor lighting tends to be 500 lux. So 500 for indoor lighting versus a sad light therapy box at 10,000 lux of light intensity. That's a huge difference. Now, the sun is typically about 50,000 lux on a sunny day, so we obviously cannot match the sun, but it's a better step than just the natural lighting in your home. So what you do is you sit with this little box or rectangle in front of you, typically for about 20 to 60 minutes, usually first thing in the morning or early on in your day. And that we can sit there. We typically don't look directly into the box. You can maybe read a book, do something else. And UV light is filtered out of that box for safety reasons. So it is safe. There are a few contraindications. So check with a physician before using or purchasing one. Typically, they don't recommend it for bipolar disorder or someone who might have severe eye problems. But it's something I've used and I have really enjoyed. And there is a lot of research on it. Now, I do note, again, this is a sad light box or light therapy. Tanning beds, UV lamps, or full spectrum lights, they don't work the same way. And we do know for health reasons, tanning beds typically are not very healthy for us. So keep that in mind. We don't want to go ahead and use those sources of light. Instead, we want to rely on the sun, natural lighting in home, or if we can get access to light therapy. That can be very helpful. And we can use this during our months of seasonal affective disorder or seasonal depression, or we can be proactive and use it beforehand when we expect that may be coming. So light therapy is a great resource. I'll actually post a video on my Instagram at choosehealthmao and at Miss Northeast IN. So check it out so you can see my sad therapy light. Now, there is one other way that we often recommend for treatment that's a bit more natural, and this is focusing on vitamin D. There are some foods where we can get vitamin D. Think about oily fish like salmon or sardines. You can also find high vitamin D in egg yolks, red meat, and liver. Some foods even have vitamin D added. So for instance, some cereals. So we know food can be a good source of vitamin D. But we also know that the sun is going to be one of the best sources and other ways that we can get it would be through a sad light or even a supplement if that's recommended by your doctor. Sometimes a vitamin D supplement can be highly beneficial, so it's worth consulting with a physician. I do think it's really important to note when we talk about treatment for sad. Not every one of the options I just mentioned is going to work for everyone. We are all dynamic unique, complex, and beautiful humans. But because of our complexities and our uniqueness, there's rarely ever a one-size-fits-all solution when it comes to psychology, medications, or resolving disorders. So acknowledge it might be a little bit of trial and error, but by taking note, we can figure out what works 
and what doesn't work. And both can be equally as helpful for finding a way to help you better manage your seasonal affective disorder. So I encourage you to try some of those strategies. And on top of that, continuing to find ways to manage your stress can be very helpful. That's another really wonderful solution that I recommend. Exercise can be helpful because we know that that is going to boost our natural serotonin. So a few different strategies that can help us, but managing stress, boosting our natural serotonin, exercise, eating foods that make us feel good, all things that can help. Now, before we get to the end of this exercise, we've covered a lot already, so I hope you're gaining knowledge. I do want to talk about myths, because I've had some people ask about the misconceptions about seasonal affective disorder, and there are many, so I may not hit every single one, but here are several very common ones, and feel free to drop comments on this episode or on my social medias if you have questions about other myths. The number one we already tackled, but most people think that seasonal affective disorder only occurs during winter. Well, we know that's not true. It can happen in spring or summer, but knowing yourself is most important. And can we be proactive and preventative, maybe by using a sad light, by exercising, or focusing on stress management, or maybe talking to someone like a counselor? Now, as far as treatment, I did mention the light boxes. A myth is that light box treatment is always effective or sad. You notice on that last myth, we said only, and now we said always. Typically, this overgeneralizing word is going to be an indicator that it's false. So we know that light therapy, it's effective for a lot of people, including myself, but it isn't for everyone. So again, trial and error. Another myth is that sad only impacts people living in overcast climates. That's not necessarily true. We do know that seasonal affective disorder is related to the daily duration of light exposure, not the brightness of the light. You do need some level of brightness, so maybe the 500 lux in our home won't do it, but sunlight in general, it does give us the vitamin D, the serotonin we need. We just need to make sure we're getting the duration we need in the sun. Now, as far as an amount of time in the sun, there's not one right answer. Again, you're seeing this common theme. There are some sources that say 5 to 15 minutes directly in the sun every day can be very helpful. Others recommend 20 to 30 minutes in the sun. So there's going to be a little bit of variation in what different sources and research recommend. However, if you are feeling as if you are battling seasonal affective disorder, Increasing your time in the sun from whatever your baseline is, it's oftentimes going to be very helpful for treatment. So being intentional about getting out in the sun and slowly increasing that. As long as we're not out in the sun for too long and we're not protecting our skin, that's going to be most important and will be helpful. Now another myth that we covered is that sad only affects women. Not true. It also affects men. So to all my men listening, don't turn this off now because this still does apply to you. Again, women just have twice the risk of developing seasonal affective disorder due to hormonal factors. Now, the last myth that I want to address is that people with SAD can just snap right out of it. Well, wouldn't that be nice? But in reality, 
Sad isn't caused by just having a bad attitude or being lazy. It's caused by specific and abnormal physical changes in the brain and body when people have less exposure to daylight. Period. This myth that sad can just be snapped out of is really dangerous because it can stop people from seeking help who truly need it. So again, I will put it out there. The 988 Crisis Lifeline is wonderful. We're texting HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741 if you do need help. Or just finding someone safe you can talk to. Those are all the myths I wanted to cover. And finally, I wanted to finish out with some Q&A that has not yet been answered through this episode but is important. I had someone ask, why has it hit me harder after kids, the seasonal depression being it? And there may be a few reasons, so let's think about confounding variables. There's a lot of things going on we have to take into account. For instance, maybe you recently had a child. SAD could be co-occurring with postpartum depression and the baby blues. It could also be maybe that you have kids who are older and you're going from work to driving them to sports practices or concerts and you're barely getting out in the sun. Well, we know minimal daylight exposure can result in seasonal affective disorder. Maybe it's also just less activities that boost your serotonin like exercise in your life and that's also making it worse or less stress management skills. So continuing to improve on them. Now, someone else also asked, why does it not affect me some years, but other years, it impacts me so heavily? Well, there's a lot of factors, again, confounding variables will be a big theme. But going into that winter, how negative did you feel about certain winters where it was worse? Did you anticipate the winter was going to be worse because of weather predictions? So you had a negative mindset. Maybe your vitamin D levels were worse. Maybe you had a deficiency those years. Or maybe your amount of exposure to sunlight those years where it was worse was a lot less exposure to sunlight. And on better years, maybe there were reasons why you got in the sun a bit more. It could also be your serotonin levels. So maybe your sad wasn't so bad. But maybe that's because those years it wasn't so bad you were exercising more or doing other things that made you have that serotonin or happy neurotransmitter a little bit more. Now, I had someone ask about preventing seasonal depression, which I really enjoyed. And you could try to get ahead of it by starting light therapy early, exercising more, increasing light at home, meditating, spending more time outside, and practicing some stress management techniques. I'm going to pitch the Insight Timer app because I love that, but there's so many strategies. And the very final question of the day is what role does technology play in seasonal affective disorder? Whew, that's a big one in today's society as we're on a podcast right now. Technology can be great. We obviously talked about the light therapy, which is technology, and that can be very helpful for SAD. But we also know constant exposure to social media, phones, laptops, and television can make things worse when it comes to depression or other mental illnesses. So a quick snippet of research to end it off today. The American Medical Association found that high levels of exposure to artificial light 
even at low level light from computers, TV screens, phones, can throw off our circadian rhythms or that internal clock, which can cause and worsen depression and mood disorders such as SAD. So there could be an even worse negative impact. Now, that's not to tell you to get off the podcast all the time, but maybe turn your screen off while you listen. Maybe be cognizant of how much time you're spending on your screen, especially before bed. And with that, I hope you're leaving this episode with a lot of tangible strategies and a little bit more knowledge about seasonal affective disorder. Whether you full-blown meet all the criteria and have had it for at least two consecutive years, okay, great knowledge. We have treatments that we can do and solutions. Or maybe you realized, I have tendencies and maybe a few of the symptoms, which is good information, but maybe I don't have full-blown seasonal affective disorder. Maybe I'm just affected by the weather to some extent. That's great to know, but some of these strategies can still be helpful for you to be proactive and preventative. So with that, go ahead and apply these strategies to help you flourish. And tune in next week for another episode on next Thursday of the Operation Flourish podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Operation Flourish podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, leave a review, and share on your social media or with a friend. It goes a long way. See you next Thursday.